This is the Game Changers podcast. We are your hosts, Associate Professor of Education and Enterprise, Philip Cummins. And prominent educational thought leader, Adriano Duprato. Adriano, it's been an amazing series looking at today's learning in tomorrow's world. We started with the extraordinary middle school teacher from the United States, Pernell Rip, and her program around literacy and reading. From there, we went to Party Solberg, the world-leading thought leader, and his work on playing fair and thinking about play in education, as well as doing what is meaningful. From there, the Knox School, Deputy Principal Nikki Kirkup gave us a wonderful insight into leadership in the middle of the first phases of the COVID crisis with Adapt and Iterate. Greg Miller from the wonderful city of Sydney talked about personal and meaningful education at St Luke's Catholic College, Jan Owen, AM in episode five taught us about thinking powerfully and thinking outside the box when it comes to how to put together programs that engage and empower young people, particularly young women in entrepreneurship and thinking about 21st century skills. Conrad Wolfram taught us about computation, talking of thinking differently about things and proposed a whole new approach to thinking about education for mathematics. Dr. Deborah Nedelitsky gave us the insight that she's acquired around transforming teachers, both at the work she's doing at St. Mark's Anglican Community School and more broadly in the educational community. And finally, Stephen Harris from Learn Life in Barcelona talked to us about, in particular, the way in which there's a relationship between the learning space and the architecture of learning, both literally and metaphorically. In our special series with Dr. Julie Andrews and Leanne Wilson, we explored the importance of telling the truth about Australia and understanding the relationship between the past, the present and the future in trying to reconcile what it is that we know about our country and how we can move forward together with Indigenous education. Let's go. Adriano, looking back over all of this, we've learned so much about today's learning and tomorrow's world, haven't we? Philip, first of all, it's great to be with you again today, and I hope everything is well there in uh, Fitzroy. Uh, sorry, not Fitzroy, you've now moved, haven't you? I am indeed. I am, I am with the latte sippers. No almond latte this time. I am with the latte sippers in Wallara in the great city of Sydney. Well, it's clear that you got out of, out of Melbourne just in time before uh, the borders are shut, and uh, now we're, we're seriously in, uh, in, in a whole new world once again. Indeed, but let's think about what that world is and let's think about the way in which we've engaged with Game Changers and their understanding about how to help us manage this world better. Now, before we get into actually unpacking our reflections uh, for Series 2 around each of our episodes and, of course, the, the wonderful special series with two very proud Indigenous Australian women, uh, I just want to take us back a little bit uh, to the fact that, you know, over the past few months, We've all experienced this kind of unmatched uh, disruption to education and, and to our daily lives. And it's clear by the announcement today by uh, Premier Dan Andrews that, that those good people that are living in Victoria are going to continue this disruption in an educational sense when terms commence next week for them. For some learning communities, we know that it's understandably brought much fear, anxiety and, and much uncertainty. However, 
And with all the panic and the unknowns, new channels of innovation, creativity, and systematic transformation have also accelerated at unparalleled levels. And you and I have been very fortunate and very appreciative of, of having to now start collaborating with different people across our industry, both locally and globally, in search of solutions to the challenges that posed by this pandemic. During this pandemic, I have personally been inspired and encouraged by the actions of so many individual educators and learning communities to rethink uh, what education can be and should be in the future. And in our Continuous Learning Toolkit, Volume 2, Leading Through Crisis, we highlighted a number of learning communities that decided that it was simply not enough to manage a response. They recognised the importance of leading through the crisis. All over the world, Phil, there's, there's a growing consensus that our education systems are broken. And in series two of the Game Changers podcast, we encountered some educators and social entrepreneurs that shared big ideas on how we might create learning today for tomorrow's world. I think one of the things that I've really appreciated about this series, Adriano, is the open-mindedness of lots and lots of different people to respond to the circumstances and to think through what we're really trying to do together in education and what our purpose is and how we can align our purpose to our practice. I think, you know, it's the, that first conversation that we had with Pernil Rip really taught us a lot about thinking through what is essential in learning and then shaping what it is that we do to make it happen. I think the key that I learned from Pernille Adriano was the importance of us as educators making a decision about what we think is important and then following through. What do you think? Yeah, you know, the key learning for me was at the very heart of Pernille's motivation. It was about prioritising children's voices, choice and ownership to give them the tools to help build a harmonious and sustainable world. And so much of what she shared with us actually encapsulated all of our Series 2 Game Changers who, who in, in their own right are innovators. For, for many, some of the things they mention are unconventional or even controversial. But the truth is that all of them, and particularly Peniel, constantly stood for something that was special. And for me, that specialness I speak of is their deep understanding that all people matter and that each young person is home to a unique life. And so this quote from Peniel, I believe best kind of articulates her motivation. And I'll just recite that now. With ownership comes a deeper engagement because the learning environment is more theirs. Students should not feel like visitors in our rooms. It should feel like a safe environment that they can create, experiment, and perhaps even fail in. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It's, it's so far away from that sort of mid-20th century notion of the average, isn't it? I mean, this is, this is not about a compliance culture. This is not about doing a bare minimum. This is not about she'll be right or it'll be okay. This is about trying to help individuals to grasp that sense of belonging that will allow them to achieve their potential. And if they've got the belonging and they can achieve their potential, then they're much more likely to do that which is good and right within their lives. It's, it takes us to that notion of the nobility of education. And I don't want to sound like I've got tickets on myself, but you know, the thing that really inspires me the most when I, I, I connect with educators like Peniel and, and like Parsi from our second episode as well is, is they take very seriously that notion of a higher purpose to which they're called. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because uh, so much 
of what we encountered with all of our series two game changes was around enabling students to simply understand the world within them and the uh, sorry sorry understand the world around them and and the talents within them so they can actually thrive in this kind of new world environment and when it came to uh, our episode two with Parsi you know what what impresses me about Parsi is that when he talks for mine he's very intentional he's intentional in his advocacy for schools to be human places that create safe spaces where each young person can develop a lifelong joyful passion for learning through play through wonder and this kind of idea of infinite possibility a kind of safe place that is almost poetic in its balance between academic mastery uh, creative thinking movement and self and social intelligence and awareness yeah you know i i find adriano that the party is so real you know what our listeners wouldn't have seen that we got to see when we were talking with him. There he was in the T-shirt sitting in his son's bedroom and he could see the electric guitar in the corner. The, the, the realness of, of, of him is, is so important because it allows us to cut through some really unhealthy obsessions that we have within the whole pursuit of education. The idea that more, 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 more is what we should be doing. Instead of choosing that which is essential, doing it well, and then allowing time for children, perhaps even adults, to play and, and to learn and process and to put it in place through unstructured time. You know, to, that we need to worry less about the teaching and more about the learning and more about its place within uh, an equitable and fair society. Yeah, I suppose that's beautiful, a beautiful way to now to lead into Nikki, you know, in episode three and, and the wonderful work that is going on at the Knox School uh, here in uh, Melbourne, Australia. You know, Nikki highlighted for me the importance of learning communities developing a, a delivery model that is congruent with the value proposition of their school. And she reminded us all that it is not merely a response to a crisis, but an opportunity to redesign our future and what we believe maybe best in co-producing that with the young people in our care. Yeah, such, such, a, such a courageous leader, uh, her and the whole team there. They're doing, they're doing terrific work and they are emblematic of so many really, really good schools at the moment who are thinking things through. One of the things I really enjoyed was the notion of continuity and change. Mm -hmm. In other words, at, at, at the Knox School, they've done some deep and serious thinking over the past few years about what really matters to them in learning and what they're trying to achieve. When COVID came along, this wasn't an opportunity to throw everything out the door. This yeah. was an opportunity to find those things that are enduring about good learning and to think about how to change the allocation of time and space to achieve those things that are important. In other words, they were able to adapt their circumstances to the situation, but keep doing what's important. And with so much energy too, and and enthusiasm and optimism and positive attitude you know just got to love it really and i mean in her own words she recently wrote designing and facilitating learning experiences that go beyond the transmission of traditional academic content placing value on the significance of character outcomes and individual student competencies our educators have delivered learning that fosters the development of a range of critical skills that would empower our young students to not only survive through times of disruption but moreover to thrive within any environment in which they find themselves. And that, that, that values proposition is profound and probably one in which is going to be our new reality going forward. Absolutely. And, you know, if we look at our series two, episode four, Game Changer, Greg Miller, 
so much of what they're trying to do at St. Luke's Catholic College is just totally aligned with what you've just talked about there, Adriano. They're trying to look into an education to identify the character competencies and wellness that individuals need to be equipped with by the time they graduate from school and to structure school around that. There's no attempt there to layer it on top as an add-on that weary teachers could view with some cynicism as, as just another thing and, and push it down the list because we've got other stuff to get through. No, this is a school community that is deeply intentional about shaping an educational experience that's going to transform the lives of its young people and not just fill them up with content. You know, the key learnings from, from our encounter with, with Greg Miller, who I have huge admiration for, uh, this the giant of a man in terms of height, but such a gentle soul, is the following. It's, it's about grit and perseverance. It's about iteration, iteration, and iteration. And again, you know, Greg's focus is on infinite possibilities of what each young person is capable of unlocking. And at the centre of, of Greg's mission is this kind of notion of a limitlessness, you know, when, when the expectation is that by reshaping our environments and opportunities and thinking, we can change the world for self, for place and for the other. It's, it's actually truly inspiring. Oh, absolutely. And it gives us a real insight into successful leadership. I mean, I, I think if you look at the components of all of that, Adriano, it starts with an unrelenting commitment to momentum. You've mm -hmm. got to keep moving forward. Yet at the same time, there's a playfulness or an experimentation about each step. So you just take one step at a time, see how it goes. If it doesn't go as well as you thought, don't take yourself too seriously and find another way forward. And keep going and keep going and, and work on the stuff that works. And if it doesn't work, try something else along the way. And, and this, this iterative incrementalism that, that we've talked about in our Monday Circular publications uh, to our clients, Adriano, it's so important. There are very few schools that seem to be able to take a giant leap forward, a revolutionary step. Most of them need to work from a premise of evolution. But that doesn't mean that over time they can't achieve radical change and turn their system upside down. That leads nicely into to episode five. Gee, Phil, you know, how very fortunate we were to have Jan on series two. You know, her work has been inspiring me personally for many, many years. And much of her research, particularly when she was uh, the CEO of the Foundation for Young Australians, was the formation of Polaris, you know, a learning ecosystem that, I, that I've been uh, the architect of. You know, I particularly like how Jan challenged our thinking around the word resilience and, and move the focus toward developing a different reframing of that. And that reframing was around the word resourcefulness that better supports the fostering of adaptability and self-efficacy of young people to thrive in this ever-evolving world. It's pretty important, isn't it, that, um, that we, we take that sort of lesson. And one of the things I really like about Jan, apart from the fact that she's a tremendous public leader, like, you know, she, there's a person who can really influence a national debate in terms of what education should be and does it in exactly the right way without, you know, the, 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 the vision, the intention the, and, and, the, and, the, and the means and the, and the output are all aligned. Very, very, a very fine person in her leadership. But at the same time, she thinks things through. Um, uh, you'll know, Adriano, I, I have issues with the term grit and I have issues with the term resilience because people don't really understand resilience as a concept a lot of the time. And they, what they think is resilience, quite often they're really describing robustness, which is almost the opposite of resilience. You know, robustness is how to stand firm like a rock, whereas resilience is how to, how to move like water around rocks and, and return to an original course. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit like grit. 
grit's important, but if, you, if your whole life is gritty, that's a pretty bleak outlook. Mm. And so instead, Jan just turns it upside down and there's that optimism coming through again, which is saying, what can we do to make this better? What can we do to move this forward? How resourceful can you be? How innovative, how, how original in your thinking can you be? You're shifting the narrative, Phil, from surviving to thriving. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And doing it in such an encouraging fashion as well too. So then we move to our fr good friend, Conrad Wolfram. What an extraordinary individual uh, he is and what an extraordinary mind. Quantification measures like NAPLAN and the ATAR have assumed an importance, Phil, you know, beyond their ability to truly judge and paint the whole picture of each individual. And we continue to utilise very simplistic metrics and that now we need far more agile metrics, not just for maths learning, but for education in general, as we enter this kind of artificial intelligence age that's not even entering it. It's, it's, it's right, we're right in it right now. And basically, you know, Conrad was advocating for a new age of enlightenment, a fundamental shift in mathematics curriculum. And of course, as you would know, that I love the idea that Conrad mentioned that mathematics could learn a lot from the arts about crafting a more open-ended assessment approach to their learning. Of course, Adriano, everybody can learn from art teachers, even history teachers. I really enjoyed the way in which Conrad taught us that the way forward involves not underestimating the capacity of learners. There was a time, that's quite a few years ago now, in fact, I, it, may have been, it may have been just before our producer, Oliver, was born. Um, and that's a very long time ago, where I was involved in a syllabus committee in the great state of New South Wales, and we were talking about what students should be studying in history. And the majority of the people on the consultative committee, um, a sort of esteemed body of 21 wise monkeys who were gathered around to determine what people should be studying. And the overwhelming conclusion of the group was that evaluation was way too complicated for students aged 17 and 18, and it should really wait until they got to university to think about evaluative skills. And I can remember on there a member of the committee, um, he's now deputy leader of the, uh, of the Labor Party in uh, federally, uh, Linda Burney, turning around and she said, you know what, I just disagree. I watch my child every morning work out what coloured socks to put on with his trousers. And that tells me that my child is already evaluating which colours go with which. Conrad taught us in his interview, we underestimate the capacity of children to do deep level computation at our peril. Because if we don't engage them in some serious thinking about the possibility of mathematics in their lives, then it becomes just more stuff, more drilling and skilling that either you get or you don't get. And we know from PISA rankings around the world that if math teachers don't get it right, it has an absolutely terrible effect on the motivation of learners. Whereas if they do get it right, it's the most positive effect of all, even more than art and even more than history. And, you know, from a practical sense, Bill, it was as simple as if a computer can, can find a solution, let it and encourage these young people with more challenging tasks that stretch them in, in applying their knowledge and skills in real-world applications that are transformative not only for themselves, but, of course, for society at large. And that's the key, isn't it? It's, it's that transformation of society at large. You know, talking of transformation... Um, Deb Nedlitsky, you know, it's her understanding about the way in which we can help teachers to transform their understanding about their work and their purpose and their practice and their identity. It's, it's, it's something to behold, isn't it? 
Yeah, look, you know, for me, De Deborah had a clear focus on the profoundness of listening, deep, authentic listening, to understand, to not, not just to simply to respond. It was about knowing your context. It was about thinking about the kinds of collaboration that you can encourage. It was about dedicating time and resources and asking, how can you truly cater for the different career stages of each staff member? All centered around this notion of a culture of trust. And ultimately what, what I took away from my learnings with Deb was that it was all about how you can honor permission for the individual to discover their inherent possibility. And of course, that of the community in which they serve. Wasn't it, wasn't it interesting to hear Deborah talking about personalization of the learning process for teachers? And we'd already listened in the series to, you know, Peniel and Parsi and Mickey and Greg in particular, talking about that personalization approach uh, in the classroom. And then Jan talking about it largely in a sort of a co-curricular or extracurricular sense. And then Conrad talking about it in a fundamental sense. That notion is really, really strong, I think, that, that today's learning for tomorrow's world is not about the average. It's not about fitting the mould. It's about understanding your voice and your agency and your capability and the way in which what you do is personal and aligned and integrated. We've said it before, Phil, the age of average is over. And it's time that, you know, we develop not second-class robots, but first-class humans. Sounds like a good thing to be doing. I enjoyed listening to Stephen Harris. He has such a fresh take on education, particularly for one who's been, who's been involved in it with such, a, uh, such success through a, a long and varied career. Yeah, you know, every time I encounter a conversation with uh, Stephen... I think of the absolute freedom of art and this kind of notion of being able to bend things most people see as a straight line. You know, he, he, rem he, he remains committed to developing a learning community that always attempts to spiral upwards the innovation and the learning curves with its central focus relationships via personalized learning pathways and individual permission. You know, le learning communities that are about more than just buildings and the people in them on a set campus where, where he advocates so strongly that we need to curate and create high quality spaces that are inspiring encounters, as well as being places that are safe, accessible and sustainable within and beyond the boundaries of a school campus, all designed to enhance this kind of interdependence of the collective and individual learning and wellness growth, all supporting, I suppose, in many ways, uh, my notion of anytime, anywhere learning, you know, this, this thing about on campus, online, in context, in country. Yeah, now Stephen is an inspiring individual that is doing it uh, now bilingually across not only Australia, but so much of Europe and the rest of the world. Because when you get to his age, you really need to master Catalan, don't you? Because that's yep. a really, really important thing to do. Oh, look, he doesn't take a second-rate answer, does he? He just, he just wants a, a first-rate answer. And in many ways, he's a, he's a real exemplar of of what we've learned about the rules of the game in our Continuous Learning Toolkit Volume 2, which you've referred to already, and also in our, in, our, in our first Continuous Learning Toolkit, we talked about the rules of the game that seem to be emerging, about the way in which we're changing the game of education right now. We're understanding that what we need in our current circumstance and moving forward is not the same as learning in a traditional school environment. We need a new model. Yeah. We know that the model that's being created right now in schools draws on the wisdom, adaptive expertise and self-efficacy of colleagues all over the world who might never have imagined that what they're doing right now is possible and who free themselves 
from the old paradigm. So we can and we are making this new model real. There's a third way that we're changing the rules of the game. We are realising that less is more, that our values and relationships are essential to supporting learning and that the physical, personal and emotional needs of our students can't be overlooked by systems. They need to be placed first. So we're holding on to what's essential and enduring in education and finding new ways in which they might be manifested. The fourth way that we're changing the rules of the game, we're creating successful learning that goes way beyond our previous experience of school that's possible now in a time of crisis. And we're starting to understand that later, as the crisis abates or as it ebbs and flows, as it looks as though it's likely to over the next year or two or three, what do we learn? Well, we, we can't imagine that we'd ever go back to exactly what we had before, unchanged by the evidence of what is working now. The exact possibilities of our new model are not yet clear and it's necessary to experiment and iterate all the way through in an environment where less is more and connection requires collaboration and here's those words again, voice and agency from all. And this, well, this, this speaks to that which I think you, you express so profoundly, which is that our humanity is at the heart of what we're doing. So we need to take a good care of that humanity individually and together. You know, it's, uh, thank you very much for sharing those kind of uh, key points around change in the game. They resonate with me so deeply as equally as what my key takeaway from the eight individuals that we encountered from the episodes uh, that you and I did with was the profoundness of vulnerability. And if I, I want to really ramp that up a little bit because it was, it was really, really exemplified in your work, Phil, in particular, in the special series. The special series with Dr. Julie Andrews and Leanne Wilson. These six in conversations with Phil Cummings were some of my favorite episodes featuring two very proud indigenous women in Julie and Leanne. And for me, they were exciting and interesting uh, and enlightening in so many ways because of your preparedness to give so much of yourself as were all of our game changers this season. Le Leanne mentioned in, in one of her episodes and, and our global live gathering event, she mentioned her father and the four R's of respect responsibility, relationships, and quote, remember what's gone before you and remember those three fellas above you. And that was a wonderful kind of little moment where she shared so much of her own personal journey and the learnings of the wisdom that has come before her. This kind of typified for me the essence of Julie and Leanne and their proud history and that of Indigenous peoples, a sense of deep truth, story, family, healing, culture, community, and individual collective responsibility. And this special series for me, Phil, highlighted that it is time we start talking about Indigenous people using language that celebrates the rich history and culture, not deficit language that only serves to cultivate stereotypes that are harmful, oppressive and divisive. And what that then means is we've got to be vulnerable with each other. We're going to be open to the possibility of each other because you know what? There's 65,000 years to draw upon and a rich culture that never stands still. And what Leanne and, and Julie showed us, it's a, a culture that continues to evolve and grow. It is unique. It is Australian. Uh, it is Indigenous. And it's one that we should really celebrate. And we shouldn't be afraid to be vulnerable with. Well, yeah. Um, what, what, can I, what can I say? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very powerful summary. I, I, found, I found the process of sharing time, uh, you know, as, as uh, Leanne would put it, yarning up. Uh, really, really valuable for me. I felt as though I was privileged to be learning from two people who really know their stuff. I found, um, 
a lot of what Leanne had to teach me was confronting. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't find it demeaning or I didn't find it uh, antagonistic. It's just that reality that we can't move forward unless we tell the truth and we have to find the truth. And truth is not comfortable. Truth is what it is. And once we acknowledge what has happened, then and only then can we make good decisions about going forward. And then from Leanne, a whole series of ways in which we can think about how to move forward together and then back to Julie to think about what the continuing work of agitation for change and research and scholarship looks like and then back to Leanne to, to look at what community and, and community leadership might look like. Such a rich process. What I find with both of them is that they encapsulate those graduate outcomes of the good person, the future builder, the continuous learner and unlearner, the solution architect, the responsible citizen and the team creator in everything they do. So there's something which is uniquely Australian in their context, as you point out, Adriano, but there is something global about their humanity as well too. Yeah, look, uh, I, I think the opportunity to have an extended play, so to speak, and conversation with remarkable humans who give us not only an insight into their thinking, but more importantly, an insight into their heart, which you bring out so beautifully in your gracious listening and questioning and an ability to connect with them on a level that is, is not only beautiful to see and witness, but also to hear and to feel more importantly. I want to finish with, with a couple of things, Phil, before I hand it over to you. And that is recently, John Yo, the licensee of TEDx Melbourne, he sent me Matt Goldman. And for those people who don't know Matt Goldman, he's um, a member of the Blue Man Group. He sent me Matt Goldman's TED Salon talk titled The Search for Aha Moments. And in that particular talk, Goldman shares his schooling experience and he stated the following, if these environments didn't know what to do with people who didn't fit a standard mould, why weren't we reshaping the environments to take advantage of the people's strengths? So I'll leave you with, with another statement from Matt Goldman. What I've come to believe is that we need to cultivate safe and conducive conditions for new and innovative ideas to evolve and thrive. And for mine, Phil, this new and innovative environment that, that Goldman speaks of and was spoken so eloquently by our people in our special series, and of course, in the episode proper, was for a school environment to evolve, the people within them need to thrive, and we now need to hero wellness by design at the heart of everyone's remarkable learning story. Why? Why do I say that? Because ultimately, all people matter. So to, to Peniel, Parsi, Nikki, Greg, Jan, Conrad, Deborah, Stephen, Julie, and Leanne, a huge thank you for sharing your story and your passion. And I thank you for reminding us that each person in our learning communities is home to inherent and unique life. It is as simple and complex as that, born from the construct of love, of self, for place and for the other. Thanks, Adriano. It's been an absolute pleasure doing this series with you again. And thank you to all of those people out there who are our listeners. I think we said something like this at the end of the first series, but... You know, we started doing this in March, you know, and we didn't really know where this would get to. We're having thousands and thousands of people connecting in and listening and hearing from Game Changers. It's so powerful, I think, in helping you to think about where you are in the world and how you want to move forward and how you build up 
the courage to do that which is different and to imagine something and to take that step forward and to have the example of so many brave and wonderful and practical and impactful and insightful educators from around the world to give you that fortitude. I, 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 find, it, I find it really inspiring personally. I know you do too as well, my friend. And it would seem that there's a bunch of people around the world who would agree with that as well. So thank you to all of our listeners for your tremendous support, your engagement in our community. Thank you for giving us the courage too during these two series to take what we've been doing at Circle Education as a centre for the creation of a knowledge architecture and to turn it into a school for tomorrow, which is now a global network to support students and leaders and schools that really want to help their people to thrive in the new world environment. And, and, you know, Phil, if you haven't already listened to all of Series 2, of course, uh, via our streaming platforms of SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Play, you can join the over 20,000 individuals that so far have participated in this story, this story called Game Changers, this story about doing schooling differently, ultimately this story about brave pioneers who are prepared to be vulnerable because people matter. Thank you, everyone, and we really look forward to you experiencing and encountering Series 3, which looks to be yet another an amazing journey for all of us. Let's go. The Game Changers podcast is produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions and supported by Circle, the Centre for Innovation, Research, Creativity and Leadership in Education. Go to www.circle.education. The podcast is hosted on SoundCloud. It's distributed through Spotify, Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and tell your friends you like what you're hearing.